Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. The uh, basis of this series that we're doing, more or less, um, is just asking what life is all about. And um, earlier as I was making the announcements, I, I kind of cover those uh, topics that we have been uh, dealing with. And the topic that we're on uh, right now is, is number three, what is my life about? Originally, that was going to be uh, one Sunday, and like last Sunday, we would have finished up uh, the series. But as I started looking into this question of what, there was just more there than I thought that we could even begin to try and deal with in, in one Sunday. Uh, so uh, today, we're going to finish up this, uh, this topic of what, what is my life about. That's not the question necessarily of what life is about. That's all of these questions that we're bringing up before us. But, you know, specifically, uh, there's something very important that your life needs to be about. A lot of times, uh, people kind of feel like maybe uh, Solomon did in Ecclesiastes. Solomon was on kind of a fact-finding journey uh, about life. And he said that he applied his heart to seek and search out wisdom, all that was done under heaven. And this is kind of the conclusion that he drew, at least at the time, uh, when God was leading him to write this. He said, it's an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I've seen everything that's done under the sun. Behold, all is vanity and a striving after the wind. That's a pretty negative viewpoint of life, to think that everything is just vain. That there's not really any purpose or intent to, uh, to life whatsoever. But a lot of people feel like that. They just feel like, you know, what's the use? It's like trying to chase after the wind. And, and people will try and draw conclusions about the meaning of life through a couple of main uh, pathways. Uh, one is speculation, and we've talked about this just briefly each week. And that's just where someone does exactly that. They're speculating what life is about. They're looking around them, they're looking in their heart, and their mind, and that's how they're trying to answer the question about life, which we're not infallible. We've got uh, uh, sins, and we're human beings, we're not God, so I don't know we're going to come up with a really good definition of what life is about just using speculation. So instead of speculation, I would suggest to you what we do is use revelation. And revelation is God, the one that made us, the one that gives us this owner's manual for life. Uh, he can tell us and wants to tell us what our life is about. So we need to look into the Word of God to discover this, not, not speculation. As we started asking these questions, you know, who, who, who are we? We found out from the Bible that God intentionally made us, that we're not a mistake in any way. There's never been such a thing as an illegitimate baby because God always has a plan. God's the one that creates life. So God, God made you. When we start thinking about, you know, why did he do that? We found out that the Bible tells us God made us to love us. But God also made us for his pleasure that we're supposed to love him back and, and, and more or less serve him that we'll talk more about in just a second. And ultimately God made us to be transformed into the image of his son, Jesus. 
So when we start talking about this question about what, what are our lives about, we, we found out on that first Sunday a couple of weeks back, uh, three weeks back, matter of fact, we found out that, that we're supposed to serve Him. Because the Bible in Ephesians 2.10 tells us this, we are His workmanship. God made us. He's the master craftsman. He's the one that designed us and made us. But He made us with a purpose. He said we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus, notice this, for good works. And He even planned those good works before we were ever born. He said, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has some things that He wants you to do. He, he wants you to, to serve Him. Then, then last week, as we continued taking this question about what, what is our lives about, what should our lives be about, we focused upon this, that while we're made to serve God, one specific way that we are to serve Him is that He's given us a mission. He's given us a mission. It's called the, the, the Great Commission, not the Great Suggestion. And, of course, it's found there in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. That's not just a suggestion, that's a command that He gives us. He, he gives us this, this mission, this, these marching orders that we need to be about. This mission that He, that he gives us, it's, it's a very, very important mission that we need to take seriously. I mean, He, he called us to serve Him, and, and, and He commands us to serve Him, He compels us to serve Him. We found out that as we were talking about serving God out of Ephesians, but in particular, He wants us to serve Him, especially in this way, for us to be sharing the gospel. And, and for you and I to accept the mission that God's given us, last week we focused on this, it's a continuation of the ministry of Jesus. You and I having the chance, the opportunity to share the gospel, that, that's why Jesus came, in order that people might be forgiven of their sins and have everlasting life. So we, we have that as part of our mission. We can continue the very mission that Jesus came into this world for. We, we found out it's the very cure that this world needs. And why in the world would we keep something back from a lost world that needs it? As I told you last week, if, if you knew someone died of cancer, would you not go and tell them what the cure is? And yet there are people all around us that are lost in this world needs the cure of the gospel. And many times we fail to share the gospel as we should. Fulfilling this mission, since that's what God has us here for as believers, really confirms the very significance of your life. And, and if you're not doing it, you're missing what God has for you to be involved with. And that's going to keep you from feeling the level of fulfillment that you should as a Christian. And it has eternal consequences as to whether or not someone will obediently be out serving God and sharing the gospel has eternal consequences for those around them. So that's why it's so strategic. And, and that's why last week I, I left you with a challenge. I, I challenged you that you would start sharing your faith more. I, I challenged you that, that everyone would at least be responsible for taking one person to heaven with them because you allowed God to use you to share the gospel with them. I challenged you last week that this next Sunday on August the 11th, we're wanting to have like a special evangelistic type of service. And I challenged you to think about names of, of neighbors or friends or co-workers or family members that, that may not know Christ. And for you to do all you can to invite them and bring them to the service next Sunday. 
But in with that challenge, if I failed to provide you some tools, then it kind of wouldn't be right on my part, would it, just to say, you need to do this, and then say, well, go figure it out. Because <laughs> if I'm going to tell you, you need to do something, if God tells us we need to do something, I think also he lets us know how to go about it. So that's what we're going to talk about today as we finish up this topic of, of what? What should our lives be about? Yes, he's called us to this very specific mission of making disciples, of sharing the message of Christ with a lost and dying world, telling people the good news. But what I want us to do today is focus upon how. How you can accomplish this mission. Last week I read this same text that I'm about to read, and, and I told you this, that, that God has given you, if you're a Christian, He's given you a, a mission and a message to share. And, and it's found here in, in 2 Corinthians. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to Himself. See, if you're a Christian, that's what happened. When you trusted in Jesus Christ, God reconciled you to Himself. You were separated from Him because of your sin. But through Jesus, you've been reconciled to God. But it doesn't stop there. It said, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He's given us a ministry to be about because there's lost people all around us. There are lost people in this world that don't know Jesus. They've not been reconciled yet. So he wants to use our lives to help reach them so they too can be reconciled to God. He's given us a message of reconciliation. He said... In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, making his appeal through us. God wants to use our lives to make his appeal to a lost world. We implore you on the behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's what our lives need to be about, to be imploring the world that they would be reconciled to God. And then he gives us a, a snapshot of what the message really is. For our sake, he made him, talking about Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin. God the Father sent God the Son into this world, perfect, holy, sinless. And when he was on the cross, he made him literally to be sin. He put our sin upon him, that through faith in him, we can be made the very righteousness of God. He, he's given us this message in, in, in this mission that we need to be about. See, when, when, you, when you became a believer in Christ, you also became his messenger too. He wants to use your life as a message to a lost world. And there are two huge parts that we need to share with other people in order to accomplish the mission that he's given us. The first part is this. To accomplish your mission, you need to tell your story. You need to tell your story. Share it with others about what Christ has done for us. I think a lot of times when people think about maybe trying to reach somebody for Jesus or tell them about Jesus, they, they, they get kind of locked up a little bit with some fears. Because sometimes we view it like we're an attorney or something in, in, a, in a court of law and we're having to 
argue the case and, and we're having to kind of win the case and we're having to back them into the corner with our logic and everything and, and just give them unrefutable evidence to where they, they have to come with this verdict that they must trust in Jesus. But you see, that's not the way to view it because we're, we're not a lawyer. What we are, instead, we're like a witness in a court of law. It's not up to me to win the case. The only thing I'm supposed to do is tell the story. I'm supposed to give them a, a witness of what I know to be true in my life. I'm supposed to share with them just like I'm, I'm giving facts. Like if you're in a court of law and you've seen a crime or whatever and you're there to give a testimony. That's what we're doing as Christians. We're to give a testimony of what we know. It's really kind of like you're, you're giving a spiritual autobiography of your life. And as you give this spiritual autobiography of your life, there, there are a couple of chapters that really need to be in there. And the first chapter is, is your testimony. In, in 1 John chapter 5, in the first part of verse 10, the Bible says, Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Now, that does mean this. It means that if you're an authentic Christian, there's something in here, there's something in here that lets you know without any doubt that you have trusted Christ as your Savior. There's this testimony that no matter what anybody else says, you know, and nobody can make you doubt it. You know without any doubt you belong to Him. But you see, that testimony is not just for your personal comfort. That testimony is not just for you to kind of feel good and say, oh, I've trusted Jesus, I'm going to heaven. Woo-woo. That testimony in you is supposed to come out of you. That, that testimony in you is supposed to be shared with others. In, in, in 1 Peter chapter, chapter 2 and verse 9, and I think I actually read this verse just for a moment last week and alluded to it. But, but it says, for, for you are a chosen people. You see, we, we, don't, send, we, we don't tend to, to view ourselves like this, but this is what the Bible says. If you're a Christian, you, you're a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You, you're a holy nation. You're, you're God's special possession. That you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. See, if you're a Christian, no matter how you feel about yourself, and I understand that, I wrestle with it too. I don't feel like all the time I'm God's special possession sometimes, do you? I, I don't always think, hey, I'm, I'm part of a royal priesthood. But that's what He says about us. And I need to claim what He says about us instead of what I think about myself. So when He tells us that we're His special possession... We're his special possessions, so we should declare his praises. As a matter of fact, if you'll read that correctly, he, he says you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that. In other words, in order that. What he's saying is this, because you are these things, here's what you ought to do. Because you are these things, you ought to declare his praises. Because he took us out of darkness and brought us into light, we need to tell people about it. We need to be a witness that declares His praises for all that, that He has done for us because we're His special possession. He told His disciples, it's still applicable for us today, in, in, the, in the book of Acts, He said, but you will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. It doesn't say maybe. It doesn't say that there's some doubt about it. Everyone here today that knows Christ, you are being a witness. You might not be a good one, but you're being a witness one way or the other. We, we are to be His witnesses. But don't make it so complicated. That, that's the problem that we have a lot of times. We, we get weirded out about it. We, we make it really complicated when all, all He's wanting you to do is this. He's wanting you to tell your unique story. Your story. Not somebody else's story. I, I had to wrestle with that, you know, early on when, when, when God had called me to preach because I would hear someone like Kenneth Ridings, and I don't know, you know, you might not have heard Kenneth Ridings preach before. He used to be the homeless professor at Fruitland uh, Bible Institute and everything like that. Man, he's just like a prince of preachers and everything. Or Stephen Olford. Some of you may have heard of Stephen Olford. I've, uh, I, I've even met people that were raised in North Carolina that somehow uh, developed a Scottish brogue while they're preaching because they've been listening to uh, Stephen Olford preach. And everything. They, they want to sound like Stephen Olford. You see, if God just wanted to pump Stephen Olford or Billy Graham or Charles Stanley or Kenneth Ridings or whoever, he could pump that worldwide. The, the, the truth of the matter is this God wants to use you, He wants to use your unique story. Because your story is not exactly like, there might be elements that are similar, but your story is not exactly like anybody else's story. And that's why God wants you to tell it. That's why God wants you, wants to use your story because it's unique. And if you fail to share your story, your story's wasted. When He's got a, a plan that he, that he wants for you to be sharing. Look at it like this. Instead of making it so complicated and being, being freaked out about it, you know really what you're doing when you share a testimony? It's like you're a satisfied customer telling somebody else. If you're a satisfied customer at a restaurant, you'll tell other people about that restaurant, won't you? If you're a satisfied, satisfied customer about, you know, maybe some other business or whatever, you'll tend to tell other people about that. You know, if you're a Christian, here's the truth about your life. It should be, you are a satisfied customer of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what you need to do is share that faith. You need to share the faith that he's given us. You need to tell others how, how satisfied you are. Because you see, the, the deal is really this. Pe people like to hear stories. I mean, don't they? If someone's standing around telling a story, you'll listen to a story sometimes, won't you? And since people like to hear stories, we can engage them with stories. A lot better than if you walked up to someone that really didn't know you, and you just walk up to them, and you start spouting out theological doctrine, and pointing out scripture to them, and saying this to them and that to them. They're probably going to think, you're weird. I think I'm going to make an excuse, and I've got to go somewhere. I've got a phone call. I, I, I've got a you know, doctor's appointment, have a lobotomy or something like that. And yet, that's what we've done a, a lot of times. Regrettably, we've, we've messed it up because that's the approach we've taken when, when I think a lot of times what we need to do first is tell our story because we can engage them by telling our story. Have you ever noticed the method of Jesus? Jesus told stories all the time, didn't he? We call them parables. And he would tell those stories to get truth across and engage people, and then he would stick truth in, in with it. And, and that's why we need, to, we need to tell our story, because God wants to use your story to, to help 
knock down doors, help build a relationship in, in somebody's life. I'll give you a couple of quotes by Rick Warren today, but here's one that I really like I found this week. And he said this, Shared stories build a relational bridge that Jesus can walk across from your heart to others. That's why we need to share stories, to build a pathway, to build a, a roadway, to build a bridge from Jesus being in our heart to being in the heart of somebody else. But we, we need to engage them by, by sharing our, our unique story. The Apostle Paul, who, by the way, God used to write more of the New Testament than anybody else. He, at least six times in the New Testament, tells his personal story. And he's telling his personal story for a reason. Now, now one very good place you can turn to and read is in Acts 26. And we're not going to turn there and read today. But, but I am going to... Uh, to kind of give you an assignment today. You didn't know you were coming to church for homework, did you? Because as you read Paul's testimony here in Acts 26, as you read through it and think about it, you'll discover there's some elements, at least four elements in his testimony that, that I would submit to you that we need to have as part of our testimony. The, the first one is this. Paul talks about his life before he met Jesus. So, you know, if you got one of these in the updates, please pull it out and look at it. If you failed to get one, I think we've got some extra copies probably laying out in the hallway you can grab before you leave. But your assignment is, I want you to read Acts 26, you know, sometime this week, and I want you to think about these questions, and I want you to write out your testimony so you'll be ready to share it. You need to talk about what your life was like before you met Jesus. You want to know why that's important? So you don't come across as holier than thou know-it-all to somebody. The way you're looking down upon them, you need to be completely transparent and tell them how messed up you were before you found Jesus. And maybe how messed up you still are. <laughs> because regrettably, a lot of the times the approach that church has taken or some Christians has taken is this, we come across holier than thou and we just, you know, da-da-da, you're a sinner, you're going to hell. You know, and that, is that true? That's true, isn't it? That's what the Bible says. Anyone that doesn't know Christ as their Savior, that's where they'll wind up. They'll spend eternity in hell. But if you walk up to somebody and the first thing you say to them is, you better get saved or you're going to hell. I doubt they're going to hang around for you to tell much more of the story that you need to share with them about Jesus. Had somebody do that one time when we were having a visitation program at another church that I pastored. And the guy meant good. It was just, you know, he didn't know any better. He was a little bit uncouth and doing things. He walked into the door and the first thing he said to the man he went to visit is, if you don't get saved, you're going to spend eternity in hell. It took me two weeks to straighten that mess out. And eventually that person came to Christ, but not because he was just told he was going to hell. It's because he found out somebody cared for him. We, we need to transparently say what our life was like. And, and then you'll find out a, a second thing that, that Paul more or less says there. He, he kind of tells how he realized that he needed Jesus. And, and we need to write that down in our testimony. And, and he tells how he committed his life to Jesus. And we need to write that down in our testimony. And, and especially, we need to include the difference, the night and day difference. That's the way one translation puts the, that part in, in, in the Greek. When you look at what Paul writes here in Acts 6, it's like Paul is writing about the night and day difference that Jesus has made in his life. 
People need to understand it's a good thing to come to Jesus. That he makes a huge, wonderful difference in your life. So your homework assignment is <laughs> to take this, read that testimony in Acts 26. As I'm asking you to write out your te- everybody know what Cliff Notes is? <laughs> That's when you didn't want to read the whole book and you're trying to cheat on your teacher at school and you went and bought Cliff Notes so you could pass the test anyway. Kind of like this. If you, you don't write out your whole testimony to where you're going to take an hour telling them about your testimony because they're not, they're, you know. Give them the Cliff Notes of your testimony to where you can share it in like a minute and a half to two minutes. And, and, and be ready to share your faith. Be, be, have, have that in your mind uh, rem, to where you can, when, you, when, when God gives you that moment, you know, to where you can sh- tell somebody quickly what Jesus has done in your life. Where you can share your story with them. You need to be ready and willing to do it, but you need to share it with the right attitude and in the right way. Because look at, at what Peter writes here. But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared. You see that? Always. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. He said, always. He said, always be prepared to share your faith. That's what he's saying in Christ. But, notice this. But do this with gentleness and respect. Because, you see, your goal is to get them to Jesus. Your goal isn't to drive a wedge and chase them off. And they need to understand that you care and that you love them. And with gentleness and respect, share the gospel with such a way that you've got a clear conscience so if people speak maliciously about you, you understand you've done what you're supposed to do in the right way as you shared your faith with the other person. Not only do you need to share your testimony, but you also you need to share your, your life lessons. Your life lessons. Life lessons are, are just things that God has taught you. And it might have been going through a bad time. It might have been whatever. But, but God's taught you some lessons in life. And the reason you need to share life lessons is this... You trying to reach somebody with the gospel is not just a recital of facts or a recital of verses. It also involves a relationship. And, and if you've got life lessons that you can use to help somebody else out, when you see somebody going through the same thing that you've gone through, and you can take your life lesson and you can share it with them and you can help them out, and that's beneficial for them, that opens doors for this thing of, of Jesus being authentic. In your life. When, when you think about things that, that you face, things that you've been through, how uh, he's taught you things about himself or things about relationships or, or temptations or whatever the case is. Solomon in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes shares a lot of wisdom that we need. And, and, and he, even, he even said this in, in, in Proverbs. Hear, O son, a father's instructions, and be attentive that you may gain insight 
For I give you good precepts, do not forsake my teaching. So he's, he's saying, listen, there's some things I've learned that I need to share with you. And, and that's true in our lives. There are things that, that, that we have been through and things that God has taught us that we need to share. And, and that brings me to a, a second quote from Rick Warren uh, this week. I, I read this years ago in, in, in The Purpose Driven Life, but he said this, God never wastes a hurt. And that really stuck with me because I, you see, that gives me hope because that, that means, wow, you mean the bad things in my life? The things that have hurt me, God's not going to waste that. God's going to use it in some way. Rick Warren recently got to apply that to his own life in a huge way because a few weeks ago we mentioned to you that we'd heard that his son had committed suicide. Last Sunday, Rick Warren returned to the pulpit for the first time since that happened. And instead of sweeping it under the rug and acting like it didn't happen or anything like that, he went before the congregation there. He had already written a letter to the congregation and sent it out, but he stood up and he, he preached a message about what it was like to be a father of, of a child that struggled with, with some mental depression issues and things like that. And you want to know why that was a great thing? He was willing to do that because in all that congregation that they have, there would be multitudes of other people people there who were wrestling with situations with their children or in their own lives with being depressed and discouraged. I've shared with you before about my dad being an alcoholic and things I experienced as I was growing up before my dad was murdered. It, it, just seeing him being an alcoholic and being controlled by alcohol. So all through my life, if, if I've had a chance maybe to help someone that's struggling with alcoholism, it makes me feel like I redeemed my past a little bit. When I was 10 years old, my dad was murdered, shot in the back as he walked away from an argument. And, and the way I've tried to redeem that in my life is anytime I find out that there's a child that's lost their parent, I've been there. And, 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 and I can go, and, and instead of me allowing my heart to be wasted, it can be used in a way that can touch somebody's life. See, that's, that's why you need to tell your life stories. Maybe you need to sit down and, and make a list and, and ask yourself some of these questions and, and write it out. Some, some questions like this. What has God taught me from failure in my life or lack of money in my life or pain or sorrow or depression or times of waiting or times of sickness or disappointment or family situations or church situations or relationships, small groups, what I've learned in small groups, critics, when people have criticized me, etc., etc., etc. Sit down and, and write down also things that God's taught you. You know why? Because you need to share it with somebody else. How can you accomplish your mission? He's given us this mission to share the gospel. The first way you accomplish it is to be willing to tell your story. But you can't stop there. Because the second huge thing that you need to do to accomplish this mission that he's given us to reach a lost and dying world is this. You need also to be willing to share his story. You, you can try and be a friend to someone and, and, and let them know all you've been through in your life and all you faced in your life and, and you know, and show compassion and everything else. But, but if you stop short of sharing the gospel, you, you, you've wasted a lot of time for no reason. 
Yes, we ought to love people, but we ought to also love them with the goal in mind that we want to see them go to heaven. What kind of friend would I be to someone if I just tried to befriend them and tell them my life story and what Jesus had done for me and everything but stop short of sharing them the gospel and then in eternity they miss heaven? What kind of friend was I? So we, we, we can't stop short of telling his story. We, we need to share the gospel with people. So all I'm going to do is we kind of work through the last stage of the message. And I, I told you this, this is kind of a practical exercise. I, I gave you a homework assignment. And, and, and I'm wanting to try and help you figure out how you can accomplish your mission that I told you that he's given us as believers last week. And I, and I thought maybe the best way to do it was just to close out the message by, by showing you a way to share your faith. There, there are a lot of different ways that, that people use, you know. I mean, there's all kinds of systems that are out there and things that people have used. And this one's a fairly old one, but I don't know. I just keep coming back to it. I've, I've done things, you know, like, like faith evangelism and, 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 and other things like that. Faith evangelism is where you use the word faith as an acronym. And, you know, each letter means something and there are verses that go with it. And uh, last church I pastored, we, we used that maybe for a couple of years and probably baptized maybe 50 people or something in a couple of years using faith evangelism. But then as it kind of uh, went on, I started feeling like it was, uh, uh, it started coming across like we uh, had a marketing tool for somebody. And sometimes that could be a very negative thing with someone if they felt like you've blindsided them with a marketing tool, even though it was trying to get them to Jesus. So what I've really come back to over the last few years is just the, the, the Romans Road to Salvation, kind of a modified version of it that I use. And whenever I get a chance to share my faith, I'll just open my Bible and I'll point the verses as I'm doing it because I want them to see this is what this says, not what I'm saying. doesn't matter what I say. So we walk through that. If you'll kind of watch on the screen or look at the notes that I gave you, you'll understand the first thing that people need to understand that we need to share with them is this. We're all sinners, and, and there's no way we can, we can save ourselves. Everyone needs salvation. But the Bible clearly says, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. The Bible says, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. And when, when I'm talking about this to an individual, I'm trying to share the, the gospel with them, I, I'll point out that word all includes everybody, doesn't it? It includes me, because I was lost too as a sinner. I'm not any better than you. I deserve to spend eternity in hell. I, I want them to understand that I am aware of that about, about my own life. The word all includes Billy Graham, right? Everybody. And I try to help them realize that and, and get them to agree with that. You know, the, the, the word all includes you, me, everybody. And then you move from there on this Romans road to salvation and you point out to them that, that no one can be saved but good works or by obeying the law. For the Bible clearly says, for by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. The only thing the law does is make you figure out how much of a sinner you are, how much you need his grace. So after you help them understand it's not about their goodness, their personal works and what they can do, I continue on on this Romans road and, and help them see that God provides salvation through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. It's not based upon our works or our performance. It's based upon believing and taking God at His Word. 
God makes sinners as though they've never sinned, the Bible tells us, through His grace as a gift because of the price that Jesus paid on the cross. And the verses that prove that are right here in Romans 3. It says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. In other words, it doesn't have anything to do with the law. Although the law and the prophets talked about it, they bore witness to it. The righteousness of God through what does it say? Faith. Through faith in Jesus Christ. For all who do what? Work or what? What does it say? Believe. For there's no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We saw that a moment ago. And in the old traditional Romans road, that, you know, you kind of, you wouldn't even be in the verses I, I, I'm looking at right here. But I'm thinking, if you're going to tell them all of sin, and the message of salvation is right here, why not read it here also, instead of just bouncing through the Bible? And it does say all of sin, but it goes on and says, and are justified or made just like they've never sinned by His grace, by His unmerited favor as a gift. Not earning it, not merit. Through the redemption, the price that Jesus paid on the cross for us, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. The Bible tells us in Romans 6, the wages of sin is death. That's all you get out of remaining in your sin. But the free gift is not anything you work for, not anything you deserve or earn, but the free gift of God is eternal life. How? In Christ Jesus our Lord. And then I continue on this Romans road with a person. And I'll help them to see that God chose to provide salvation through faith in Jesus to prove how much He loves us. For the Bible says, for a while we were still weak. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. People get that all screwed up in their head. It's like they think, well, all right, I have to get good and then I'll get right with God. It's impossible. You can't get good. That's trying to approach it backwards. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare to die. But God shows His love for us. And that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's how much God loves us. And then I'll go on. In Romans 10, we're told what we need to do as sinners who cannot save themselves. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you might be saved. Is that what it says? No, it's not. He's, he makes us a promise, doesn't he? You will be saved, for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And then in verse 13, it says, For everyone, a moment ago we were talking to the person about all being sinners, and you got them to agree with you that, yeah, that includes them, yourself, Billy Graham, or whoever. Now you're at a verse that says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That word all means everybody. That word everyone includes everybody. Amen? Who calls upon Him. So now you come back to that thought. Even though all are sinners, if they will believe in Christ as their Savior, He promises them that they'll be saved. And at that point in time, I will ask them if they understand, if they have any questions, if, if they feel like, because you, you can't force it on them, you know. If you could force it on them, we'd get some of our big muscle-up guys around here, we'd go hold them down and beat them until they said yes to Jesus. To get them into heaven, amen? You can't force it on them. But I ask them if they understand and if they're willing to pray and want to pray and receive Christ as their Savior. And then I'll, I'll lead them through how to do that. And then if they do pray to receive Christ instantly, I go to Romans 8.1. And I said, look what it says. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Man, that's something great they need to hear right after trusting in Christ. 
There are a lot of other verses that you can use in Ephesians. It says, for by grace you're saved through faith, and that's not of your own doing. It's a gift of God. It's not a result of work so that no one can boast. John 3.16, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But you need to read all of it. Don't just read John 3.16. Keep reading. And it says, you know, if you believe, you're not condemned. If you're not believed, you're already condemned right now. And help them understand why they need to trust in Christ because they're already condemned. And according to the Bible, I think the Bible tells us you and I ought to be compelled. We ought to feel compelled to share our faith. For Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. Because of, of Christ's love in our life, we ought to be compelled. Because his love in dying on the cross, we ought to be compelled to share our faith with others. Sometimes people are afraid to do it, and they let fear lock them up. But look what's said here in, in 1 John four eighteen: There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Look what he said, there's no fear in love. And yet a lot of times we get afraid to share our faith. Do you realize a parent will run into a burning house many times trying to save their child? As they run into that burning house, it's not that they don't have any fear because the flames are real and it's a scary situation, but you know what compels them to go into the house anyway to try and save the child? Their love. And that's the same thing that ought to compel us to try and rescue people from eternal condemnation, separated from God, no matter how scared we might be in sharing our faith. Love ought to overcome that fear. To where we're willing to share our faith because the Bible tells us it's not God's will for anyone to perish. He doesn't want anyone to perish. God's not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He doesn't want anyone to perish. That's why you need to tell your story. That's why you need to tell his story. Because God doesn't want anyone to be separated from him for all eternity. What I'm about to say, please listen to me and get it in the right context. Because I don't want someone going away from here and saying something I didn't say. <laughs> but I'm going to say something that might be harsh sounding. But you need to hear it in the right way. If we're called to do this as Christians, and we don't do it, an individual who refuses to share their faith, or a church that is refusing to try and fulfill the Great Commission... You know, basically what we're doing, it's like we're telling the world to go to hell. If I will not share my faith, if you will not share your faith, it's like you're telling people around you, I don't care, go to hell. I'm already saved, I'm on my way to heaven, thank God for that. I, I can't wait to get there. But if you're not willing to share your faith with somebody else, it's like you are telling the world around you, go to hell. If a church will not try to fulfill the Great Commission, it's like we're telling people around us, go to hell. We don't worry about you anymore. We're a country club now. We're just concerned about ourselves. We'll get together, have a good time, have great music, and, and eat together every now and then, do some neat stuff together, and things like that. But just go to hell to the rest of you. That's why I want you to consider a couple of things. 
and the band's going to come out and play, and we're going to have this time of decision. I want you to ponder a point. And the point is simply this. God wants to say something to the world through me. God wants to say something to the world around you through you. He wants to use your life to share something with the world. Second thing's a question. As I reflect on my personal story, who does God want me to share it with? Who does God want you to share your story and his story with? I challenge you last week that this coming Sunday, let's do all we can to bring people in that we don't know for sure if they know Christ or not because that's what we're going to deal with. We're going to talk about where is your final destination. He's given us a story to tell. He's given us a mission to be involved with. And all I'm saying is this, it's time for us to launch the mission. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your amazing love. While we can't fully comprehend it all, but but God, you, you tell us and you proved that you love us by sending your son to die on the cross. Father, I pray, Lord, if there's someone here in this place this morning that has never said yes to Jesus, that you will help them to see through those verses that we just looked at a moment ago, that they are sinners that cannot save themselves. And they can't work or be good enough to go to heaven. And what they must do is trust in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. To believe your promise. Take you at your word. That you will save us when we admit to you we're sinners and we call out to you and ask for salvation based upon what Jesus did for us on the cross. Father, for the rest of us that, that know that, we've got the testimony in ourselves. God, I pray you help us to awake from complacency in the age in which we live. I, I pray you help us to grab hold of the challenge that you've given us, the mission you've given us to reach a world, a lost and dying world. Help us to be willing to go forth and tell our story, what you've done for us, and help us to go and tell your story, what you've done for the world through Jesus. And Father, we pray and we ask you to, to bless our efforts. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church. Experience a new day in your life.